The Lord be with you. Thanks. I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you, I'd love to. Maybe we could take a walk around town. You can email me, john at pillarchurch.com. I got a picture texted to me yesterday from my friend Ian McKay. Anybody know Ian? Ian's awesome. Uh, who, who knows what that building is? I didn't know what it was either. Uh, by the end of the morning, I may make something out of that. We'll see how this goes. Uh, but for now, here we are. Here we go. It's the first of a th- set of three Sundays in which we're celebrating the new God wants to do in you, with us, for the world. We, we've created our own little liturgical season. We call it All Things New Tide. Eleven years ago, Pillar reestablished itself. I'll tell you more of that story in the weeks to come. I'm just wondering now, though, is there anybody here longing, looking, hoping, waiting for something new? How about I borrow some of the headlines from this week alone? A plane explodes just out of Moscow, outside of Moscow, and a world looks on with suspicion. Mug shots taken down in Georgia. And a country watches with a cross between anxiety and anger. Another gun goes off in Boston. More lives taken in Jacksonville. Another racially charged attack. Anybody looking for something new? And you might say, that's, that's lazy, Pastor. You're just grabbing the headlines. Well, okay, fair enough. But what about you? I know enough to know enough to know that there's some aches and pains in this place, too. I know you all look great on a Sunday morning, but I'm guessing you know what I'm talking about. There's this heartbeat deep inside the gospel. Started to sing in the Old Testament and started to thunder in the New Testament, this, this heartbeat for things to be made new. Isaiah saw it first. Isaiah said it first, at least. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Fires ravage Maui. Tornadoes take lives in Michigan. Hurricanes crush California. Floods. Anybody here looking for something new? There's this drumbeat that exists in the heart of the gospel that vibrates our lives still for the new. I want you to listen to Isaiah's dream. But now. By the way, you're not really supposed to start a sentence with the word but. Did you know that? It's a conjunction word. It's pointing us back to something. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, informed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt in exchange for you, Ethiopia and Seba as your ransom, because you're precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, Nations in exchange for you. I will bring forth my offspring from the south, and from the north I will gather you. To the east I'll say, gather them up, and to the west do not withhold. Bring forth my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone whom I've called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, whom I've formed and made. Bring forth the people who are blind but have eyes. Who are deaf but have ears. Let the nations gather together. Let the peoples assemble. Who among us declared these things and told us of the former things? Let their witnesses come and justify them. Let them see and say, it's true. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, the servant whom I've chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. There was no God formed before me, nor will there be any after me. I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed. When there was no strange God among you, you are my witnesses, says the Lord. I am the Lord, and also henceforth I am he. Nothing can be delivered from my hand. I work, and who can hinder it? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I will send to Babylon and break down their bars. The shouts of the Chaldeans will turn into lamentation. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Do not remember former things and consider things of old. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I make a way in the mighty seas and a path through the waters. I bring out the soldiers And the warriors, the armies, and the chariots, they fall down. They cannot rise. They're extinguished. I quench them like a wick. I give water in the desert and rivers in the wilderness. I'll make the the wild animals honor me and the jackals and the ostriches. I give water in the wilderness and, and, and rivers in the desert that my chosen people may drink, that they may know that I have made them for my glory so that they may declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. It's Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 21, if you wanted to find it. Isaiah had a dream, a dream that reverberates still in the hearts of each one of us who long for something more, something better, a different way. Uh, Tim Keller, in a sermon he preached just after 9-11 over in New York, We're not just going to get some kind of consolation that will make it possible to forget. 
Rather, everything bad is going to come untrue. Isn't that beautiful? Everything bad is going to come untrue. I think he's borrowing from C.S. Lewis who said, some say of temporal suffering, no eternal bliss can make up for it, not recognizing heaven once attained works backwards, turning even that agony into glory. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? It's a dream in three parts. It starts like this, but now. (laughs) You can't start a sentence like that. Uh, Can you? Am I off? I'm not very good at English. Can you start a sentence with the word but? It's drawing us back to what was, to, to, to what is. It's, it's a conjunction word, but the, the reality, number one rule of leadership Max Dupree taught us, the number one responsibility of every leader is to define reality. Isaiah's defining reality. It's not right. It's not good. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Isolation and division, abandonment, exile, war, violence. That's what they knew. And Isaiah says, but now. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? They had, they weren't caring for their neighbors. They didn't care. They weren't going out of their way in any way to care for anyone, really. They'd taken the God of Israel and put him on the shelf of convenience in exchange for political expediency and economic prosperity and self-absorption. Sound familiar? But now. It's kind of interesting to me. There's this like collective agreement across our country. Shocking, we would agree. There's this collective agreement things aren't right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know of anybody who says, no, actually, it's quite great. Things are, but we have this hard time naming what's not right. We're so af- afraid to call out another. That's, like, that's not good. That's not good for you. That's not gonna. It's not gonna lead to your thriving. Maybe I'm being optimistic now. Maybe because we're so in love with Jesus, who said, you know, if you, how can you say to your brother, here, let me take the speck out of your eye when you have a plank in your own? We don't want to be plank carrying people calling out specks, so we just don't say anything. That's optimistic. I also think there's this sort of, we've like lost the sort of moral center, you know, like this moral grounding, this moral authority. And so to suggest that, you know, you might have something in your life that needs to be worked out would put you in the place of superiority, and we don't want to do that. So we just stay quiet. There's also this inert, cultural inertia. Am I, am, I, am I anywhere close to accurate? There's also this like cultural inertia. If you question me, if you challenge me, you know what I'll do? I'll shut you down. We call it cancel culture. We just silence people. So rather than being silenced, we just stay silent, which is kind of odd. Either way, you're not saying anything. And yet, the number one rule to name reality, Isaiah's not afraid to name reality, but now. But now. The disobedience of the garden had been picked up and played out in their lives too and in our lives still. It's not the way it's supposed to be, and Isaiah has a dream, but now. And the center of action is God himself. I have redeemed you. I've called you. You're mine. 
It's not about the content of your character, the challenge of your circumstance. It's deep in God's heart to do the new. I have redeemed you. I've called you. You're mine. I love that line in Isaiah. I work. Who can hinder it? (laughs) Isn't that great? I've redeemed you. I've called you. You're mine. That's part one. Part two. I... I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. Isaiah's dream of the new reorients us to a world where God is at the center. God is God, and you're not. God, and he just keeps going after it. He just keeps saying it. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, verse 3, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made, verse 7. I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior, verse 11. Verse 13, I am God, and also henceforth, I am he. Verse 14, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Verse 21, the people whom I formed for myself so that they may declare my praise. Over and over and over, Isaiah paints a picture of a reality with God at the center. What if that's real? What if God, what if there's a God? And what if that God cares and loves and gives and serves? What if God is at the center? And you know what that means? You can let go. You don't have to hold on so tight and manage so hard and control so much. God, you can love and serve and give and forgive and be generous. God is at the center. Uh, You know the name Luther, Martin Luther? Okay, good. I mean, I never reformed and everything, but I thought you might have heard of Luther. Uh, Luther has this phrase, homo and curvitas ense. Humanity curved in on itself. That, that's, that's, that's our instinct. That's our disposition. Humanity curved in on itself. And Isaiah says, open up, look up, God. Yeah, yeah. God is at the center. God is, God does, God can, God will. You can relax. Yes. Amen. You can breathe. Uh, little confession. It's not a real one. It's just a little one. Uh, I am terrified of heights. Like, I'm uptight right now. Two, like, 14 inches off the ground. I've known it my whole life. Last summer, I wanted to paint my house. Uh, I got an estimate to paint my house. Guess how much it was going to cost to paint my house? $17,000. I want to know what kind of paint they're using. <laughs> My house is not worth $17,000 to paint. But I figured, you know what? I got to push through my fear of heights. I'm going to get this thing painted, and I'm not going to spend $17,000. I got onto the six-foot ladder. My knees started to wobble. I got onto the extension ladder up against the house. I nearly passed out. I got down. I thought to myself, who do I know who's courageous enough and available enough to paint my house for free? (laughs) The only person I could think of was Pastor Anna. So she came over, and she painted my house. It was spectacular. I had lemonade on the porch while she was up there. I've known I've been terrified of heights since I was a little guy. I think 14, 15 years old, I was at Young Life Camp down in North Carolina, Windy Gap. Is that in North Carolina? Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be this, like, really a building experience for a uh, teenager. It, it was like trauma for me. Why? The high ropes course. Our cabin leader decided it'd be good for us to wake up on the first thing in the morning and partner with another cabin to do the high ropes course. And I wasn't going to tell anybody that I'm terrified of heights. I'm 14, for heaven's sakes. 
So I go to the high ropes course and I climb that ladder as high as the Empire State Building and get on the top of the platform and they're asking me to walk across a piece of string fraying with little boards on it. And I'm harnessed in, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I, does, I can't see it. So I'm walking across these planks on fraying string and I get about halfway and I freeze. I cannot move my legs. Nothing, I mean, no amount of, you can do it, Johnny, was helpful <laughs> at all. The cajoling, come on, man. I couldn't move a muscle. And finally, someone from another cabin, and don't you be sure, I recognize it was no one from my cabin who helped me out. Someone from another cabin got on the platform across the way, and he said, keep your eyes on me. Big blue eyes, I remember. Keep your eyes on me. And then he actually walked out to where I was, which was kind of unhelpful because it made it wobble all the more. And he grabbed my harness, and he walked backwards. We're like 3,000 feet high. And he walks backwards, taking me. Keep your eyes on me. Don't look down. Keep your eyes on me. You know what I'm doing here? See what I'm doing? I, I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Isaiah dreams a dream where there's a center and God's at the center. Keep your eyes on me. That's part two. Part three is a fascinating line. It's verse four. I give people in return for you. Isn't that an interesting line? I give people in return for you. There are seven theories of the atonement. <laughs> How like God works out his saving realities in the, in the world. There's like penal substitutionary atonement. Anybody reform folk love and the penal substitutionary atonement. We're like all, all kinds of excited about that. There's the moral exemplar. There's the governmental theory. There's Christus Victor. I can't remember all off the top of my head. And then there's the ransom theory. There's this idea that we're, we're actually held hostage we're actually, we're actually living chained by sin in our own lives and evil in the world around us. We're actually held hostage, and I give people in return for you. Who does that sound like to you? Christ himself, God, sends his son, his only son, his only boy into the world to take on what we are so that we can become like he is. He suffers on the cross and dies to forgive and rises from the dead to redeem and ascends into heaven where he rules and reigns until he comes again to make it all new and to make it all right. I give people in return for you. I've redeemed you. I've called you. You're mine. You're precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. Yeah. I give people in return for you. Yes, is the story of the gospel. Jesus Christ. God is at the center of the new. And Jesus Christ is accomplishing the new. Yeah. In you, with us, for the whole world. Amen. So did you figure out the building? Uh, that's the office building of Adolf Hitler. A friend, Ian, texted me the picture yesterday. Uh, here's his... Here's his... I'm just going to read it to you. Hey, John, thanks again for organizing that book club this summer. It really wasn't a book club. We only read one book. Uh, <laughs> Travis, Jake, and Jackson are awesome and way smarter than I could ever hope to be. The amount of multiple syllabic theological words they throw around makes my head spin. I'm currently in Munich and finally have some time to think about that book, The Love That Is God, and also the God on the loose theme from this summer on long walks around the city. 
Went to Dachau yesterday, the first concentration camp where the Nazis perfected their system of murder and destruction. I couldn't help but get mad at the book again for sidestepping the problem of evil and also wrestled with the question of where was God on the loose in all of this? Then last night I went for a walk and passed by Hitler's old office. This is where he and his thugs designed the final solution and the mass extermination of millions of people. So much evil, so much hate. But then among the quiet, I heard a piano playing softly from inside the building. It was one of those quiet songs that makes you close your eyes and just listen. I asked someone what this building is used for now and, they, and, and learned it's the home of a music school. In the very same halls that men once plotted destruction, students are creating art and making something good. And all that came to mind and heart was God's promise in Isaiah. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I think that's the heart of the love that is God and what it looks like for God to be on the loose, a world where evil and pain and destruction are overwhelming but will never be the end of the story. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.